Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Beyond the Brand Podcast. I am your co-host, Alex Boudreau, here with the usual host, Evan Pobuda. I hope everyone had a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, I spent my time down at the Jersey Shore, got kicked out of DJs for recording my friend dancing. So that was that was pretty cool, just up, up in my street cred. Um, but yeah, good memories. Security can be a bit aggressive nowadays. But the NFL is back. Fantasy football is back. The Lakers tie the series. I'm happy. Evan's in Indianapolis right now visiting friends and... I'll be visiting family in Connecticut this week, so the boys have been pretty active. But for today's episode, I'd like to welcome William Dorfman, a.k.a. Dr. Bill. At age 60, the man looks like a 30-year-old slot receiver. Um, he has been told he's the Michael Jordan of the dentist game. Has been featured on ABC's Extreme Makeover, CBS's The Doctors, Oprah, and Larry King made a custom grill for Katy Perry's music video. So I think that's enough said. Um, there's much more, but I don't want to give it all away. So Bruce, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time! Recording out of New York City, New York. Welcome to the Undisputed Greatest podcast in the world beyond the brand all right dr bill we want to thank you for coming on the show um kind of take us a little bit through how you what made you want to be a dentist one day well how'd that start uh i can literally say i fell into it uh, I was three years old. I had an accident. I was, you know, kind of playing around in my living room. I hit the coffee table and I hit my baby teeth so hard that instead of knocking them out, I pushed them back up into the gums. And I had to have multiple surgeries and procedures to make sure that my permanent teeth would grow in normally. And we just had a really great dentist. So you know, instead of being afraid or, or, you know, apprehensive about dentistry, I was actually really kind of enthralled by it. And um, I don't know, I, I, you know, I started coming in and, and, and sh this was before shadowing was even a thing. I started coming in and just watching him even as a little kid. And I, I just thought it was such a cool thing. And, and he helped me so much. I thought, you know, one day I want to grow up and help people like this. That's so funny because that, that happened to me, like the exact same thing. I was running, <laughs> fell, jammed my teeth on the carpet, and I was like, hello, kitty, for years. <laughs> Again, made fun of. like. Yeah, kitty, me too. Kitty. I had no front teeth. I was hello, kitty, for years. And, you know, I don't know. It just stuck with me. And so it actually was a blessing in disguise because throughout my life, I didn't have to worry like, what class should I take? What major should I just did everything I needed to do to become a dentist. Yeah. Wow. So then how did you, how did you kind of make your way over to the Beverly Hills area? Like, is that where you're, you're originally from or? No, dude, I grew up really poor. We had nothing. I grew up in Granada Hills. My kids grew up in Beverly Hills. 
The only common thing was the hills part. Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I was doing a residency program in Switzerland, which is a, a whole interesting story in and of itself. And I came home for the 4th of July and I went on a picnic with my parents and there was a man there who was a dentist in Century City. And when we got started talking, he said, you know, when you're ready to come back from Switzerland, it'd be great to have you as an associate. So I didn't really know like anything about Beverly Hills or anything like that. So anyhow, I, um, I, I was a little bit torn because I grew up in Granada Hills and I knew a lot of people out there, but the offer in Century City sounded too good to pass up. So I basically opened two offices when I came back. I worked in, as an associate in Century City and Granada Hills, kind of, you know, playing, you know, both hands and seeing which one was going to be better. And I really liked Century City better. I, I loved doing cosmetic dentistry, you know, we were in the midst of all these big talent agencies and, you know, people were really, you know, interested in, in looking their best and having cosmetic dentistry. So, you know, whereas the Valley practice was more of kind of like your bread and butter fill and drill thing, mm -hmm. the Century City office was really, you know, the aesthetic stuff that I liked doing. So after a few years, I stopped working in the Granada Hills office and I would say most of those patients transferred to Century City, and then I just built out the Century City office. So cool. How'd you get so good? <laughs> you know, kids always ask me that. So I run this, this big um, program every summer called LEAP. It's a motivational leadership program for high school and college kids. It's a nonprofit I set up. This is our 13th year. Uh, unfortunately, this year we had to do it virtually, which was almost a mixed blessing too, because we're, we normally have 450 kids. We ended up with over a thousand kids virtually. And one of the things that kids often ask me at LEAP is, you know, Dr. Bill, what's the secret of success? I'm like, it's not a secret. Work your butt off. <laughs> like so when you ask me how I get so good, I work. I worked, I, I honestly feel that there was a period in my professional career, I didn't know anybody in the world who worked harder or more than me. I, know I, was, I was already doing dentistry probably a good 50 to 60 hours a week. And then I had the good fortune of being asked to be the, the, uh, the featured dentist on ABC's hit show, Extreme Makeover. And because that was so time intensive, I couldn't film it while I was practicing because it was too disruptive with all my patients and especially with a lot of my celebrity patients. Like as soon as they see cameras and lights in the office, they freak out. So I was doing dentistry, let's say 50 to 60 hours a week, Monday to Friday. And then I was coming in and filming 14 hour days on Saturday and Sunday, you know, plus being a dad, plus, you know, I'm a pretty big fitness guy going to the gym every day. Like I, I was sleeping three or four hours a night. It was crazy. I, I, I virtually for like, for like 20 years, I was sleep deprived. 
but, yeah. but I did it, you know, I mean, and, and it's funny because we, uh, we ended up um, selling Discus Dental, which we can talk about in a minute, which was my tooth whitening company um, in October. Uh, actually, we sold it on 10, 10, 10, October 10th, 2010 at 10 a.m. in the morning, which was really funny because at Leap, I always, we have this thing we call 10 culture where I always tell the kids they got to walk like a 10 and talk like a 10 and act like a 10 and most importantly, surround themselves with other kids that are 10s. So it was really fortuitous that we got the sale, but really serendipitous that it happened on 10, 10, 10 at 10 a.m. Um, but uh, yeah, that, 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 was, that was an amazing exit. So two things off that. The first one being, you mentioned that Prior, like when you had gotten asked to be on, on the ABC show, you had already had celebrity clients before that? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, we, we had, you know, this was, we started filming. I started practicing dentistry. Okay, you weren't even born. I started <laughs> practicing dentistry in 1983. I'm 61. Um, so I had been 61? practicing. You, you look like you're in your 30s. <laughs> 20s. It's 20s. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I started practicing in 1983. Um, so we started filming Extreme Makeover in 2003. So I had already been practicing quite a while. I had a really established um, dental practice. But, you know, if you would ask me what one thing really like put me on the map mm -hmm. it, it, that was that Be, yeah. because you have to understand prior to extreme makeover dentistry never got a very good rap in the media i mean like little shop of horrors marathon man i mean i could go on and on and on you know this is the first time ever that you know abc put us on prime time we this wasn't a date this was like seven o'clock thursday night and, you know, and they went out of their way to make us look as good as they could, you know. And so, you know, I got to like, like save the day. I mean, these people came in with these horrendous dental problems and, and I got to really help them. And, you know, anybody who was critical of the show, I mean, they could, you know, criticize the facelift or the plastic surgery or the breast and nobody ever said you know what they should have bad teeth like i never got any negative criticism everybody's like oh no fix the teeth they're horrible you know what i mean like yeah. nobody ever a lot of people say oh no they didn't need liposuction they but nobody said oh gosh no don't do their teeth so it was great for dentistry you know it was funny because i you know dentists would stop me at dental shows and, and thank me it's like it wasn't me. I mean, they, they thought I created the show. That's how good the show was for dentistry. They actually thought I created it for dentistry. I'm like, no, I'm just the conduit. You know, I, I was the lucky one that they picked to show it. But it was all, it was Howard Schultz is the one that created the show for ABC. And how did they go about that process? Like, how were you the one that they, they selected? Was there like an audition thing or did they come just check out the, the, the practice? Or? So what happened was Howard Schultz had created, this isn't the Starbucks Howard Schultz, by the way. Okay, that's what um, I was thinking of. 
Yeah, Howard Schultz had a company called Lighthearted Entertainment. We lost Howard a few years ago. It was sad. He was not very old. Um, but um, he had a, a, a company called Lighthearted Entertainment and had done some game shows and whatnot. And one of his um, um, uh, hostesses from a game show uh, worked part-time in Dr. Garth Fisher's office and was also a, a, a dental patient of mine, Jennifer Fenton. And he took her out for a meal to show her his idea for Extreme Makeover, and she loved it. She said, well, I know two guys you gotta call, Dr. Fisher and Dr. Dorfman. So he went and met Garth and loved Dr. Fisher. And then when he talked to Dr. Fisher about me, he, Dr. Fisher and I have been best friends like our whole career. So Garth gave me a high recommendation. So they called me and they offered me a screen test. Dude, I'm a dentist. Like screen <laughs> test, really? I'm like, I'm like, I'm not gonna do it. Plus, I didn't even know what this was. And, and this was the first like venture into reality TV. Like I had, look, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have dropped everything and run to the studio. Mm -hmm. But I was like, no, nah, I'm not going to do a screen test. You know, I had a few video clips from being on the Rosie O'Donnell show and a few other things I did. I said, here, just look at this. And if you like me, let me know. So they, they called me and they said, we like you. And they shot the pilot. So we shot the pilot and um, it went off the charts. Like we got one of the highest ratings of any pilots that ABC had done. So they immediately picked us up for 22 episodes. One of the things I tell kids, and, and you know, when kids come to my LEAP program, we basically teach them skills to be successful in life. And one of the things I tell kids, if I can just get these two concepts into their little heads before they leave, I feel like I succeeded. Number one, don't wait for opportunities in life, make them. You know, if I meet another kid who tells me that they're waiting for the universe to show them something, I'm going to scream. Like, the universe is pretty busy right now, right? It doesn't care about you. Number two, when you do get an opportunity, don't take it. Master it. There's a big difference. Here's the deal. I was not born for TV. They should have fired me. If you watch the first few episodes, I was so horrifically bad. It's a, it's a wonder they didn't. I think they were just too green and they're like, whatever. But I was so bad, it was, it was painful to watch. But I was smart enough to know how bad I was. And I was also smart enough to know that this was going to be a huge opportunity. So instead of stinking, what I did is I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes. I hired the media trainer who worked with kids on American Idol. And I had her come in and beat me up and teach me how to interview, how to look in the camera, what, what to wear, what to say. What, I mean, we did this ad nauseum over and over again. You know, you ask me, you know, what's the secret of success? The secret is it's no secret. You work your butt off. That's the secret. And I worked and I worked and I worked and it was not easy because it didn't come naturally to me, you know, but eventually I got into a groove and my goal was just be the best version of me I could be. 
Was it worth it? Hell yeah. Look at our company, Discus Dental, we started our first year in business. We did 2 million, 4 million, 8 million, 16 million. We grew and grew and grew and we plateaued at like 76 million. We couldn't break that. There were Crest White Strips and all these other products out there. The year I went on Extreme Makeover, we went from 76 million in sales to 101, from 101 to 136. And the last year I was on the show, we did almost $200 million in Zoom sales. By the way, I invented Zoom. Really? Not video conferencing, tooth whitening. <laughs> Long <laughs> Zoom. It's but, like, it, on. <laughs> but it still had a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. So your phone must have been buzzing after that show. Oh, it, it, I, I, I tell people we were printing money. <laughs> I mean, think of this. The average dentist probably gets about 20 to 30 new patients a month, right? I got 200 new patients a month. I hired five doctors to work for me. I mean, it was crazy. And here's the other part. I would go in for a new patient consultation. I didn't even need to talk. People would watch the show. Their dental IQ had skyrocketed. I'd walk in the room and they'd say, hi, Dr. Dorfman. I need six porcelain veneers, Invisalign on my lower teeth, and zoom whitening. I'm like, yes, you do. And I'd walk <laughs> out. It was unbelievable. That is awesome. And they got to give you a raise for that one. <laughs> so yeah. you, have the, you have the zoom teeth whitening. You also have another teeth whitening product. Right. That's all under the same company, right? This, this. Right. So this was a really interesting thing. So um, one of the things we teach at Leap is copy genius, right? And, you know, our first two products were night white and day white. And we did well with those. And then Bright Smile hit the market. And we're like, whoa. So we had a very, very proficient patent attorney. We had her review their patents. And I said, look, we need to develop an in-office tooth whitening, but we can't infringe on their patent design around it. And we did. We launched a product. They had something I had, I'm not a lawyer, and I, but it, there's something called a submarine patent, which basically meant as soon as we launched, they had the ability to revise their patent and when they did, we were infringing. Wow. So we went back to our development team and we had to alter the formulation so that we weren't infringing because they gave us a cease and desist. Well, the third time they did that, our lab said, Doc, if we do any more changes, it'll do a lot of things. It just won't whiten teeth. Well, that's no good. <laughs> And we ended up having a very amicable relationship with Bright Smile. So we ended up acquiring Bright Smile we, for $65 million, which then gave us all in-office light-activated tooth whitening worldwide. We owned all the IP on it. And we didn't buy Bright Smile um, centers because those were, those were failing and, and they were losing money. What we did is we bought the IP and we bought the professional product in the in office. So Discus Dental owned 
Brightsmile and Zoom. And when we made the sale to Philips in 2010, it really increased the value of the company because we literally owned worldwide all in-office light-activated tooth whitening. Excellent. So what does your product differ from the other products out there? Like the teeth whitening? Well, I mean, the thing that made it different was the fact that you could literally go into a dental office and get your teeth eight shades whiter in an hour with a light-activated tooth whitening system. And there was no other system out there that could do that. Oh, yeah, because I got my teeth whitened and like two days later, I'm drinking coffee and boom, stained already. <laughs> yeah, but here's the thing. When we do Zoom, we give you trays, which you can okay. take home okay. and then you can just do a little touch up and it should be, you know, right back to normal. Okay. What is trays? Like yeah, you know, those little trays. That you By the way, um, I'm going to launch a new whitening product, uh, Q2 in 2021. That'll be what in the industry, what we call a category killer. It is going to be so revolutionary and so cool that I honestly think we'll put every other take-home tooth whitening product out of business. Wow. It's, cool. it's really cool. We've been developing it for two years now. And uh, when, when we're not live on this podcast, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> cool. Looking forward to it. it. Sounds good. <laughs> so you've been, uh, you've been referred to as the Michael Jordan of dentistry. How, how does that make you feel? It's a big name. I wish I were as tall as him. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy because I didn't never really realize this until Oprah said it. And you know how sometimes when you That's just, when you live in your... Wait, wait, think about what you just said. <laughs> I, I thought you said like, you know, until neighbor, my neighbor Susie said, like you said Oprah Winfrey said, yeah, cool. <laughs> No, I know. That's what was so bizarre is like, sometimes we're so myopic that we don't really see what's going on. But when you're on a talk show, like The Tonight Show or Ellen or any of these daytime talk shows, what they do is they take you and they stick you in a room with a producer and they ask you all these questions, right? And it's kind of a shotgun. Like they're just trying to figure out like, what are you gonna talk about? And then they'll hit two or three things that they really feel will resonate with their audience. And then when you're live on stage, they ask you those. So you already know what they're gonna ask you pretty much. It's just not gonna be an hour worth of questions. It'll be like six minutes or 12 minutes. There's only two times that I've ever been on TV when that didn't happen. Larry King Live and Oprah. Larry King is scarier because <laughs> he's scary. And not only is it live, it's live worldwide, yeah, right. right? So that's scary. Oprah, even though you don't know this, she's not live. Oprah films, it's called live to tape. So every talk show, like when I'm on the doctors and all these things and you're watching it at home, that's not live. It's live to tape. I mean, they film it like it's a live show, but it's actually taped. So if something really goes wrong, they can fix it. They usually don't but they can't, right? Interesting. So 
I'm on Oprah and Oprah says, Dr. Bill, you've had a career unlike any other dentist, not only in history, but like ever. I'm like, I, I guess that's true. And now this was in 2005. She said, what incentivized you to think so far outside the box? Now, to be honest with you, that phrase was not common. Like that's the first time I ever heard that. It wasn't, you know, something that like people talk about, oh, I think that I had never heard that. And my honest, unfiltered reply to Oprah was, what box? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I never, and, and that really kind of, is a common thread throughout my whole life. I mean, I've never lived in any box. I just always thought, you know, I'm smart enough to figure stuff out. I, this is how I'm going to do it. Even if everybody goes left, sometimes I just go right. You know, it, it, I, I don't let the crowd control me. I, I just work from what's really authentic and, and true in my heart. And, and I feel good about it. That's the MJ. The MJ. The MJ <laughs> Killer instinct. Still got your hair, too. So that's, <laughs> that's what's good. You got one leg up on Michael Jordan with that one. So. <laughs> um, yeah, take us a little bit through. I mean, also, too, you, you, you're a reoccurring co-host on um, The Doctors. So tell us a little bit about that and how that differs from uh, Extreme Makeover and how you ended up there. Well, you know, when uh, – when, when Extreme Makeover went off the air, um, the doctors came around about two years later. Um, Dr. Phil's son is Jay McGraw. He's the executive producer. And so I started doing segments for them. Um, I just signed up for three new TV shows. So there, there, there are three things that'll be coming out in the next few um, months. Um, I'm gonna be on a new TLC show called um, body rescue <clears throat> uh, i'm doing a bunch of segments for inside edition and then there's another tlc show that um i'm supposed to be on that they don't want me to talk about so um, and then there's a netflix thing and i don't know there's always stuff you know i just always leave the door open you don't know yeah have you ever thought about doing your own talk show um i did um, I actually, well, I have a podcast actually, which is, it, we're number one in Yemen, we're number two in uh, Iceland and number three in Finland, and we're number 94th out of a, out of, in a category of 47,000 in the U.S. Um, so I, I am doing my own podcast. We did shoot a show called The Dr. Bill Show, um, which was really kind of fun to do. We shot six episodes. Um, we never got, to, we never sold it, but, um, it's, it's out there. And there was another show I created that we shot and we never sold, but it was really fun. It was the view, but with four guys, it was, uh, me, Alfonso Ribeiro, oh. Steven Spelling, um, and, um, I'm sorry, not Steven Spelling, Steven Baldwin and, um, and, um, um, uh, Aaron Spelling's kid, Randy Spelling. Um, what happened? What happened with that? Um, 
there was a show with that had come out that failed that was a kind of a similar concept mm -hmm. and so it that it was just bad timing but um i actually liked it because we had a female co-host we used ellen k who was ryan seacrest's uh, sidekick for years and years which really gave us the the ability to talk about things that you know that if we did without a woman would be dangerous like she would ask us questions about like you know if you're married and you know your wife puts on 40 pounds what do you do and like if you have four guys talking about that without a woman being there no matter what you say you're dead <laughs> but with her kind of moderating it it actually ended up giving us a little bit of a safety net yeah <laughs> yeah i can imagine that getting out of hand but um I have two things I want to ask you. Um, it's about your celebrity clients. You actually hold a Guinness Book of World Record with one of your clients of making a grill. Can you uh, <laughs> talk a little bit about that? So, you know that old thing I said, don't take an opportunity, master it? Yep. Johnny is Katy Perry's makeup artist. And Johnny calls me up one day and says, hey, Doc, um, we're doing this video called the Dark Horse video, and we want to make a grill for Katie with jewels in it. <clears throat> I'm like, cool. So he sent me a picture of what, what they kind of had in mind. And I said, what's the budget? He said, 1500 bucks. I'm like, are what? you kidding? So I immediately hung up the phone and I called my friend Cheryl Alpert, who owns 14 Carats. Are you guys in the LA area? No, we're in New York. In New, York. New York. 14 Carats is the largest, beautiful, like high-end jewelry store in Beverly Hills. And I said, hey, I'm doing this thing for Katy Perry. Can I borrow a million dollars in jewels on consignment? She said, sure. And so I made a million dollar grill by Dr. Bill. I mean, I figured if I did do this thing, why make it cheap? I mean, yeah. obviously we didn't keep it, but it was crazy because when we made it, they sent a guard with it. So we had like the, the grill and a guard with the grill. Um, <laughs> but that grill has had like, I don't know, like 20 billion views on YouTube. It's nuts. And I got in the Guinness World Book of Records. That was my second Guinness World Book record. Uh, most expensive grill by Dr. Bill. What was the other one? <laughs> the other one? This was a funny one. So I'm sitting at a dental meeting, right? And um, they were talking about LEAP and sending kids to my LEAP program. In the beginning, the first few years that I did LEAP, most of the kids were actually kids that came from dentist families. Um, now, 60% of the kids actually come on scholarship. These are kids that can never afford to go to the program. Um, if any of your listeners are interested, LEAP is at www.leapfoundation.com, L-E-A-P foundation.com. And we run a program every summer at UCLA live. They live in the dorms. The next one's going to be July 18th to the 24th. But... Um, I was, I was at this dental conference and, you know, they were talking about LEAP and I don't know why, but the guy on stage said, you know, if you don't, 
you know, have a kid that you want to send to the program and you'd like to make a donation, raise your hand. So this woman behind me, I don't even know. I'm in an audience with like probably close to 800 people. She raises her hand and she says, I'll donate $100 if Dr. Bill will shave his head. Now, first of all, I'm not going to shave my head for a hundred bucks. I don't want to shave my head at all, but like definitely not for a hundred bucks. And so I'm like, no. And then the guy from the stage runs down, sticks a microphone in my face in front of this huge audience and says, well, how much will it take? So I said, a hundred thousand. I said, if you can raise a hundred thousand, I'll shave my head thinking they would never do it. Well, 100 dentists pledged $1,000 right then and there for me to shave my head. <laughs> well, we were in the middle of filming. So I'm like, guys, I can't shave my head now. So I'll do it later. And they were okay, okay we, they get it. So the next year, the meeting's rolling around. And you know, the guy who runs the meeting is like, you know, you have to shave your head. I'm like, oh, I know. So I called Jay McGraw at our show. I said, listen, I said, Jay, I have to shave my head for this charity. Why don't we do it on TV live and maybe we can raise more money? So we did. We raised another $21,000. So I raised $121,000 and we had Travis, the tall doctor from The Bachelor, the handsome guy. He shaved my head on national TV. So I'm driving home bald thinking, who does this? No one. And I called my publicist. I'm like, Candace, do me a favor. Check the Guinness World Book record and see if there's ever been a record set for somebody to shave their head for charity. There wasn't. So we submitted it. And that was my first one. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. That's crazy. That's, That's awesome. so funny. You know, you can make a fortune making grills for rappers. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But here's the problem. They want me to make them permanent and I won't do it. Like I have no issue making you something that's an appliance that you take off and, and but I'm not gonna grind your natural teeth down and put like this horrible thing on that. Think about this too. Your teeth are smooth for a reason. So they don't build up plaque. Yeah. You take this golden thing you put all these studs and diamonds in it. That thing is disgusting. And then you put it in your mouth and forget about that and the oral hygiene and all that. But then think of what it does to your opposing dentition. Like when your other teeth are banging, I just won't do it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just, I can't do something I don't feel good about. Yeah, and now that you put it like that, it sounds terrible. <laughs> but if they want me to make them something removable, I, I'm all game. Yeah. yeah of course. In fact, the one I made for Katie, she couldn't open her mouth or it would fall out. It was just for looks. Have, uh, have, you, been have you been approached by any, any other celebrities to do like, something like that for you or no? Yeah. Oh, all the time. I did a really cool one for Steven Dorff um, for his new movie that's coming out. Um, I made him all these gold teeth. But what I did was I made it like a veneer and I cemented it on his teeth without touching his underlying teeth. So his teeth are still intact, totally. 
And then when the, when the shoot was over, we took it off. Here's Katie's. Oh my God. That is nuts. And I, see, I, I, still, I still think it's crazy that they, they, they give you a budget of $1,500 and that, that's what they expect you to wear. Yeah. <laughs> so and then when you look at it from the side, if she opens her mouth, the whole thing falls out. That's platinum with all these jewels. That's crazy. Wow. So, but it wasn't for her to sing with. It was just for that one shot. Literally, it was three seconds on the air. It was crazy. And I also read that you wanted to go for a third, third submit. <laughs> I think I am. I think I qualify. I've been on more reality, different reality shows, I think, than anybody in, in history. I th I'm gonna I'm gonna pull up the Mark Wahlberg one to show you guys. <laughs> you made one for him. Uh, sorry, I meant I meant I'm um, Stephen Dorff. You have you have. Worked. I made Ozzy Osbourne some really cool um, vampire teeth once. Oh, here we go. So you know Stephen Dorff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's him before, and then that's what I made him. Oh my God. <laughs> but I didn't, I didn't touch his teeth. Those are just glued on. And in fact, when, when he was done filming the movie, he left one of them on for like another year. He thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> so you could like take those out easily. Yeah, I, I just pluck them off. Okay. He can't. See, there he is. I took them all back off again. <laughs> Some good teeth. Have you, what's anything, any other crazy things you've done for any celebrities like that? Like I saw in, in your bio, you got like Mark Wahlberg, Hugh Jackman, Michael Strahan, who notoriously has a large, so, you know, right. <laughs> so when Michael came in, so Michael came in and I'm like, dude, we got to close that gap. He's like, no, we don't. That's my Great calling person. card, doc. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, man, it can't be Dr. Bill's work right there. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. But uh, take us a little bit through, you know, we'll, we'll start winding down now. Take us down a little bit through. You mentioned uh, the Leap Foundation. Is there any other philanthropies and philanthropy work you do? Um, and what else goes on with, with, with Leap? Well, Leap is a motivational leadership program for high school and college students age 15 to 25. It's pretty phenomenal. Um, you know, this year we really had to pivot. And, and put on a virtual program, which was almost a mixed blessing because whereas we normally have about 450 kids in the program, once I got all the funding for LEAP set, we went out to these community leaders and we brought in another 600 kids, mainly black and Latino kids who could never afford to go to a program like this, but virtually it didn't cost us more money. So it was actually pretty cool. And I think going forward, we will always have this be a hybrid program where we'll have the, the kids that come live and then we'll do uh, the virtual program for kids, you know, all over the world. Okay. And what do we do at LEAP? We teach kids skills they don't learn in school. We teach them networking. We teach them how to work with mentors. We teach them um time management money management i do a whole thing called how to be a gentleman where i teach them dating etiquette eating etiquette job etiquette um 
open the door for, <laughs> for, for your boss. I mean, you know, these kids, they come to this program. On, on Friday, we do something called a mentor workshop where I have a hundred different professionals from all walks of life and the kids get to meet them. We, we have them wear business clothes. And I realized that 90% of the young men who came to the program didn't know how to tie a tie. So I added that to how to be a gentleman. So I have the guys that know how to tie a tie teach the guys that don't know how to tie a tie. Yeah. Um, we, I do a whole thing called the 100 year lifestyle on, on fitness and health. Um, we do uh, how to apply for jobs. How, I mean, it, it's the most robust program. And we teach things you wouldn't think of like appreciation. Where do kids learn appreciation today? And I tell you, they don't. We teach them appreciation. And we give them a stack of cards called I appreciate cards. And you know, if, if, if you or Evan came and you guys spoke at the program and, and you said, hey, you know, when you got off the stage, all these kids would give you cards saying, hey, you know, I appreciate that you took the time to come and speak to us. And there's a lot of cultural things we have at least like every speaker before they get on, get one word out. When they get up on the stage and I introduce them, the kids give them a standing ovation before they even say a word. Why? Number one, none of these people charge me to come and speak. You know, Anthony Hopkins, Mark Wahlberg, you know, Eva Longoria, um, Michael Strahan. I mean, these people, I couldn't even afford to have them come, but they all come and they speak. And I tell the kids, I said, listen, these guys could go do something else, but they're here with you because they want to help you. You know, show them appreciation. Number two, when you walk into a room, I don't know if you guys do public speaking, but as a public speaker, you feed off your audience. If you have a motivated, captivated, high energy audience, you're going to get the best performance out of that speaker, as opposed to a bunch of kids that are sitting back on their phones and all, you know what I mean? It's a whole different mentality and mindset. So you know, it's, it's pretty exciting. We talk about things like, I do a whole program on drinking and driving. Listen, if Dr. Bill says don't drink and drive, they're like, yeah, I get it. What about when Dr. Wells says it? Dr. Wells is my best friend. He lost his 21 year old son drunk driving one night, but then take it a step further. What about when Kyle Thomas says it? Kyle Thomas is 22 and he's a quadriplegic and he gets on stage in his wheelchair and he says the stupidest thing I ever did was to get into my car drunk. So we cover a lot of things that you don't normally see. And I'll tell you something, last year before COVID with 450 kids in the program, I got 450 I appreciate notes saying something like, hey, Dr. Bill, I appreciate you and the whole LEAP team. This program changed my life. 99% of the I appreciate notes said that. 1% said this, hey, Dr. Bill, LEAP saved my life. Think of that. These kids come into the program, they have no family support. They have no one in their corner. They have no one rooting for them. 
You know, the first thing we do is tell them, you got to act like a 10. You got to walk like a 10. You got to talk like a 10. You got to surround yourself with other kids that are 10s. We call it the 10 culture. And that's why it was so serendipitous that I literally sold discus on 10, 10, 10 at 10 a.m. I came to Leap the next year in 2011 and said, you guys, I'm going to show you what the perfect 10 day looks like. It's pretty awesome. Now, how many times a year do you have this? One time. Next one will be, like I said, July um, 18th to the 24th. It's one week at UCLA, and we have kids come from all over the world. One of my best friends is the mayor of Perth, Australia. She sends 80 kids from West Australia every year. That is so awesome. I was going to add, that was going to be one of my questions, is where they're coming from. Is it just that LA area? But worldwide, it's, it's awesome. Everywhere. Even, even, Everywhere. Us growing, even us growing up, like, I mean, granted, like I grew up in, in the suburbs of New Jersey, like a nice area. Um, but like I, I even like little things, you were, you're not taught like how to tie a tie in school and stuff like that. There's like life skills that you need going on beyond that. And I think it's incredible. I went to college and I had a like Iron Kids church. I'm like, I, I could have started a business doing this. I was, su- I was surprised like people didn't know how to iron their shirt. No, let alone. Yeah, I'm surprised that kids don't know how to say thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you know... The, the whole thing I do, the 100-year lifestyle, you know how that started? I had this woman come into my office right before leap. I looked in her mouth. I, I almost fainted. I, I had never seen a mouth this bad. And I literally looked at her and I said, how did this happen? And she said, Doc, if I knew I was going to live this long, I would have taken so much better care of myself. She was 60, wow. 60. And I thought, you know, if these kids eat right, exercise right, and take care of themselves, they should live to be 100. But, but a lot of them don't know what's right. So I teach them that. You know? I teach them. I do a thing called nail the job. I teach them how to interview for jobs. And they get it. I, uh, I took a course in college. I was a communications major. I took a course called interviewing. It was a, like a communications elective. And I, to this day, I think that was my most, not, I wouldn't say most, but most impactful uh, class I took in college that helped me with something beyond college. Because everything you learn when you start a job and things like that is beyond every, all the other knowledge and stuff you're gaining. But to interview and like a skill like that where it's not such a common thing was awesome. Look, I'm 61. I just shot for men's for a GQ magazine. <laughs> I'm the Ooh, oldest man. guy. You might have to give us some tips on working out. Hey, you need to give us some tips over here. <laughs> You're six years old. I'm 24 with a dot dad bod. And if I take you to the gym, I'll kill you. <laughs> please, please. I'm dying. Seriously. <laughs> look at that. I'm 61. I look I look older than you. I'm 24. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. That's awesome. Man, this whole COVID thing was so weird. I don't know if you guys read about this, but we had this phenomenon called the bioluminescence Mm -hmm. at the beaches in LA. Check this out. They glowed. Is that you? Yeah, that's plankton. Holy shit. Isn't that crazy? The whole ocean lit up. That's an unedited picture. Yeah. Oh my God. Is that you standing in the, in the water? Yeah, that's me in the water. It was freezing, <laughs> oh but I had to do it. 
So how did your fitness you journey make start? sacrifices for uh, for a good shot, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. We also had another really cool phenomenon that happened with the California poppies went crazy this year. <laughs> up to your waist. It was awesome. I went with my 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 daughter. It's pretty fun. How does it feel to be uh, to probably be the the dentist with the highest amount of followers on Instagram? You have almost nine hundred thousand followers, pushing a mill. Yeah, in the next two weeks, it'll hop over a mill. My my, uh, I have, <laughs> I have a uh, I have a really good um, team, and these guys they like they really uh, they know what they're doing. But um, it's been great for endorsements. Yeah. Um, sure. I've, I've gotten some really good influencer deals out of it. So I like it. Yeah. You know what else? It gives me a good platform for, you know, talking about leap and look, I'm not gonna lie. There's a lot of people out there that just want to be famous to be famous. I have no respect for that. Really. You know, the stuff I post is stuff to help people. You know, the stuff I post is for leap is for you know extreme makeover is for fitness is for you know i i don't know like i, I feel like I, I have a a pretty good reason for posting the stuff i post but people that just post stuff because they just want to be famous i don't know you know i i grew up really poor and the first thing that we did with our company is we started making money and you had asked me about this earlier was we gave back We've raised over $44 million for children's charities mm -hmm. through, you know, through Discus Dental with a group of dentists called the Crown Council. I mean, if you go through this world without having made it a better place for people, shame on you, really. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was about to ask you, um, you got together with country singer Garth uh, Brooks, Garth Brooks. Yeah, Talk so the way it worked is we did we did a, um, it still goes on. It's called Smiles for Life. And basically a group of dentists that I didn't know at the time called the Crown Council called me up and said, we'd like to buy your whitening product at cost to do this campaign. And basically what we're going to do is have country singer Garth Brooks do these public service announcements and get people to go into a dental office and whiten their teeth. And instead of writing a check to the dentist, they'll write it to Smiles for Life and we'll raise money for children's hospitals and children's charities. So my partner, Robert and I talked about it and we called him back and we said, we're not gonna sell you the product it costs. We're gonna give it to you. They're like, you're kidding. I said, no. So we gave them the product and so, um, and also they asked me if I would do public service announcements with Garth, which was really fun. I'll never forget the first time we did a photo shoot. They said to Garth, she said, Garth, turn your chin this way. He said, which one? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Garth and I did these PSAs and uh, we've raised $44 million for children's charities through it with a group of dentists. It's been pretty cool. That's incredible. That's great, man. I, uh, I did have one more thing. Oh yeah, how did your um, fitness journey start? Like, where did you play sports when you were younger? Or, like, how did so? 
How do you get the body at six years old? (laughs) (laughs) People aspire for their entire life. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. When I turned 50, I went into, I, I go to Equinox. So I go into the gym and I guess the computer like has this big happy birthday thing. So the woman behind the desk said, oh, happy birthday, Dr. Bill. I'm like, awesome, thank you. And she looked at me, I think she goes, you're 50? I'm like, yeah. And then there were like five guys behind me in line. They're like, dude, no way. I'm like, no, I am. They're like, really? What do you eat? I'm like, it's not really what I eat. It's what I don't eat. They go, okay, what don't you eat? So I don't drink at all. I haven't ever. Um, it's not like I'm a recovering alcoholic. I just never drank. I didn't like it. I never did it. I don't eat fatty stuff. I eat very little dairy. And, you know, and I just like, I don't know, I eat really healthy. And they're like, yeah, we're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) And I go to the gym every day. But the way that that started is I was always very active as a kid. You know, I, 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 I was a, I was a pretty good swimmer. I actually, um, contemplated swimming in college, but swimming's an intense sport. You have double workouts. It's over four hours a day in the pool. Mm-hmm. And I'm not smart enough to get good grades and do that. Like I got all A's in college, but I worked my buns off. It, it didn't, it, it, like there are people that are so smart that like they don't have to study. That's not me. Yeah, I can't like, stand I, <laughs> I had to study, yeah. but so there was no way I could swim and do that. So I stopped swimming in college but I, I, I was, um, I, I, I took some gymnastics and stuff and um, I ended up trying out for, to be a yell leader in college, which was awesome. So I got to travel with the football and basketball teams and where'd I would you go, stunt. You go to school? UCLA. UCLA. Yeah. So I got to like tumble and stunt at the games, which is fun. And then after college in dental school, I realized that if I didn't work out, it was painful. Like dentistry is really physically demanding and I'm having like back pain and neck pain and all this. And the only thing that really helped was working out. So I realized that I actually had to work out to be able to do dentistry. And so I really got into fitness, not out of vanity, but really out of necessity to just stay healthy and, and do something I love to do as a profession. I have one more question for you. What is the day in the life with Dr. Bill if you're not doing like a podcast or something like that? You know, it's crazy. We got pre-COVID and post-COVID, okay? <laughs> you're because my, you're whole, my whole life has changed. I mean, I, one of the things I'm a big proponent of our mastermind groups. I'm in three of them. Uh, If you don't know what a mastermind group is, there's an organization called the Young Presidents Organization, YPO. And YPO puts presidents of different corporations in groups together. So there's like 10 guys in my YPO group. And we've been meeting for over 20 years, right? And these guys are really great, upbeat, awesome guys. And we're going around the horn and everybody's like, oh, no, you know, COVID's the best thing. Uh, you know, I'm spending so much time with my kids and, and with my wife and my, and then they get to me. And I'm usually really positive. I'm like, I hate this. I spent 61 years creating a life I love and it's all gone. 
you know, this was before I could work again. I'm like, I can't practice dentistry, which I love. I can't go to the gym, which I love. I can't go out. Like my normal life is wake up, go to work, see my patients, go home, go to the gym, go out to dinner, go out to a movie, go out to something, hang out with friends, and then travel a lot. I, I don't work on Friday, so every weekend is a three-day weekend. I go everywhere. All that stopped. I'm like, <laughs> I'm not happy. I hate this. <laughs> so what was your COVID, COVID schedule like? My COVID schedule sucks. <laughs> I sat home from March 13th until May 18th. Then I go to work, I'm at work, I'm covered up from head to toe, it's uncomfortable, it's hot, I hate it, and I'm not happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what, we make the best in it. This, yeah. as and my grandmother said, this too shall pass. Yeah, hey, our, 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 we started recording in a studio and then we had to make one in our living room, so <laughs> yeah. that's, that's where we're recording at now. Yeah. yeah. You, gotta make, you gotta make it work. But. All right, Dr. Bill, I uh, appreciate you coming on. It's been awesome, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, you guys are fun. Thanks. If you're ever in LA, call me. Hey, we definitely will. I, I want to check out. I'll take you to the gym and I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, I'm, I'm in for that. But I also want to, I want to check out the, the Leap Foundation. I want to check that out. Yeah. I would love for you guys to come. I mean, you can come as mentors. On that Friday, I'll sit you at a table and we'll have kids talk to you about your podcast and all. That would be awesome. Okay? We would love to record. Yeah. All right, stay in touch. I will, definitely will. All right, thank you. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube